Hello, everyone. This is Sonata Allison, and you're listening to episode eight of the Parallel Podcast, where we talk about sexuality as it should be. Hello, and welcome back. This is episode eight. So you guys may not know this, but most podcasts don't make it past episode seven. So look at us. We're making history, kind of. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I thought that was pretty cool that we're still here. I got some decent content for you guys still coming out. So, um, glad to hear that we were able to get this far. Also, I want to do some shout outs today. So one of my listeners is actually from Guyana, but, but, but just kidding. That's more like Jamaican, but I'm also forget it. Um, but yes, I am also Guyanese. I don't know if it's the only listener who's from Guyana, but I mean, look at God y'all can be from anywhere you know but to have someone from Guyana that's pretty dope so my Guyanese listener if you want to share with the other people maybe maybe you'll find some of my family members out there um and let them know I'm doing big things over here (laughs) um um, so next shout out is for Arellis because this girl, I'd probably say she's my most loyal follower of the Parallel Podcast because she's always commenting on stuff. She laughs at all my jokes. And um, yeah, she just listens to everything. So I just want to say I appreciate you, Aurelis. I hope I am saying your name correctly. If I'm not, DM me and I'll give you a dollar. But just want to say thank you for being a great listener. Alrighty, so today we are talking about confrontation. And as you may know, it's that word doesn't really have the best rep, but I will be talking to you guys about the importance of confrontation and different things that get in the way of healthy relationships and some tools to um, fight against those things. So let's get into it. So as I've said before, the majority of time spent in marriages will be engaging in activities that are not physically intimate. So most of your time will be, um, as the Christian hipsters say, just doing life together. And um, I can't speak from experience, but I would assume that most people aren't focusing on bills or bringing up an argument while being physically intimate. Now, it may happen sometimes, but it's probably not the thing that's going to get the romance going. So it's important for your platonic relationships that are not physically intimate at all and for your marital relationships that you're able to handle confrontation well. So if you're single, you do have many different types of relationships in which you can practice this skill just to be a healthy person in relationship, but also to prepare for spending the rest of your life with this human who is not your family. And the way I said that sounds kind of creepy, but I didn't mean to do that. So confrontation, when you hear the word, it may make you cringe. You may have no reaction at all to the word, but there's always probably a opinion you have about it for my passive aggressive people or my petty friends, you are obviously scared of confrontation. Um, And I don't mean to call anyone out, but I feel like most of the people that I know who are quote unquote great at sarcasm struggle with confrontation. Um, Sarcasm kind of like a way to comment or address something with minimal consequences. I feel like that's the thought process behind it because you can just say, oh, I was just joking or I didn't mean it like that to avoid the consequences of your lack of communication skills. Um, But your confrontation style, if not worked on, can be a reflection of your upbringing. So if your parents were very children should be seen and not heard, it may be hard for you to assert yourself when something is wrong or when someone has wronged you 
or maybe maybe you grew up in an environment where you were yelled at or had to walk on eggshells and be mindful um, to say the right thing because love and privileges were contingent on that. Or maybe you grew up in an environment where your parents had rational rules, you were they were willing to listen to you, and they gave you a space to make mistakes. All of these different scenarios have different outcomes for people. So when you go into the world, and I think a prime example of that is middle school, all these kids or humans are bringing their communication skills combined with hormones and the absence of 24-hour supervision, and it becomes like one of the worst times of your life. I'm just kidding, but... Also, that may be true for some of you. So past middle school, as growing adults or grown adults, you may bring your communication styles into your platonic and romantic relationships. Potentially, the fears you had in childhood become evident in the way that you react to feelings of fear, abandonment, um, rejection, or even happiness. And the way you communicate affects your relationship, whether that be good or bad. So Um, saying words is not isolated from the depth of the person. Uh, The way you speak to people or don't is a reflection of your beliefs and your emotions. I was recently speaking to a client who I worked with on um, social skills and the importance of his, the effect he has on others. And he said something to the effect of, you know, people say the word, say words don't hurt, but they do. And this was a client who experienced a decent amount of bullying and, He said some things that he probably shouldn't as well. Um, So we spoke about the expression of like sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me. And I think whoever made this phrase was really hurting. It sounds like something um, someone needed to say to themselves after being verbally disrespected or even bullied. But I think that quote could be couldn't be any further from the truth. Um, Words do really hurt. There are words from my past that I think of and I can still feel the pain of today because the actions that followed them made that uh, the words they said true. Um, And this is why I say that the way we communicate is evident of the beliefs held. I believe it was Maya Angelou who said, when someone tells you who they are, believe them. If someone says they love to gossip or tells you they can't keep a secret or just like tells you that they're annoying, believe them (laughs) and I'm not saying it to box them in but if a person who lives with themselves every day tells you something about themselves even jokingly I would advise you to be mindful of that that also speaks to the importance of self-awareness and the desire for growth there are a lot of people out here who are self-aware they're aware that they're a cheater aware that they're careless with others emotions but if the piece about desiring to be more like Jesus and making steps to change those things isn't there I'm going to need you to pull a Joseph and run. Get out of there because you don't want to be around those kinds of people who are aware of their um, unhealthy communication skills and and ways of behaving and just kind of sit with it and don't change. And that's in platonic relationships and and romantic ones. Like I said, a a lot of our modeling and foundation is built in our childhood. So to be self-aware about that or and the person that you could potentially be in those relationships and understanding that you can affect people It will be helpful in making improvement because you don't choose the family you're born into. But if you are 28 and still blaming your parents for the person you are today, you got some work to do. And sidebar, people don't need to just endure your unhealthy ways of communication just because X, Y, Z happened in your childhood. Now, I understand that your experience was definitely painful, but it's never an excuse to continue a habit of inflicting pain on others. 
And that's a good segue into the importance of community. Now, I can be very blunt. I can be a very blunt person. Um, I genuinely can't remember the last time I said something to purposefully hurt someone. And I don't say that to say like, oh, I'm perfect. Look at me. I've improved so much. Um, that's actually a testimony because I used to hurt people like on purpose. Um, once someone wronged me, my goal at, at some times was to literally make them cry in their apology. And uh, thank God for Christ, for Jesus and his forgiveness, because it really grieves my heart to even know that I was like that. But um, as I said, a lot of your communication styles and ways of relating come from what was modeled. And I didn't have the best models growing up. Um, but that's not an excuse. So luckily through the Lord healing me and helping me see why I acted the way I did and communicated the way I did. My intent in communication is less about hurting people and more about communicating how I've been hurt. And that's a message right there. Um, I would say that I've even had to teach the majority of my clients about the importance of helping yourself when you are hurt rather than focusing on hurting others. Um, I use the example of if someone has just stabbed you and there's blood spilling out of your leg, your first instinct may be to run after that person and get them back. But the wisest decision is to seek help in the way that would heal you, not hurt that person. And sometimes my clients will say, yeah, it helps to hurt them. And it may, but rarely is that a permanent fix and you are actually still hurting as you're running to hurt someone else. So you never want to neglect an opportunity to help yourself by hurting another person. Um, now, I completely understand that in the moment, in the season, it is hard to love people after they've hurt you deeply. Trust me, if I tell you some of the ways that friends and family members have hurt me, you would see that I can relate. But the Bible speaks about in Luke 6, um, and it says that like anyone you love, anyone can love anyone. Anyone can love someone who loves them. Anyone can give to someone who's uh, given to them or knowing that you'll get something in return. But loving your enemy is such a bigger testimony of Christ living within you. Um, and if you're sitting here like, but he said this or she said that or he did this, I understand. And that is exactly why we need Jesus, because you may be able to relate to the fact that I literally could not love people who have hurt me without Jesus. Um, I'm not sure if it's just me, but it is literally against my nature. It is the like literally only the presence of the Lord dwelling within me is the thing that causes me to hold my tongue or allows me to avoid maluap and some of these humans on my God's good green earth. But it's not only Christ that can help us. It's also community. Um, I would definitely say that it if it wasn't for some of the friends and my mother's prayers after, during and before some of the hardest times in my life, I would not be the person that I am today. Um, it's through their trustworthiness and patience and love that I've been able to become more of those things as well. But also, I desire relationships where people can tell me about myself. Now, I hate being imperfect. And I hate even more when people are there to witness me being imperfect. But I want to be more like Jesus more than I hate people seeing my flaws. So at times I timidly enter into relationships and I'd even say um, in the past few years, I've been allowing people to see all of me and give them an opportunity to love me in the way of holding me accountable. And I said before, I'm very blunt. I love the truth simply because I've been lied to and betrayed by people. And um, I feel things very deeply. And 
Um, it's just showed me that I never want to be that kind of person. I don't want to be someone who lies to people or um, causes confusion in people's lives. So um, sometimes my honesty can come off as careless or too harsh. And I want people to feel loved by me. So I welcome those conversations where they can communicate if I've hurt them or improvements that I can make in the relationship. Um, and if you're in a romantic relationship, you should want someone who can hold you accountable to grow as a person. Um, people think they love a yes man until they get one. And then that bores you like they're predictable. And eventually they just start to annoy me, to be honest. Like, and I, I know, like, as I hear myself say that, um, that's not, that may be offensive. So I'll say a lot of people become yes men in life because they had to be that to be safe in childhood. Maybe their parents had short fuses or were physically aggressive. So learning the art of our, um, agreeing, um, was their safest coping skill. So if that's you, and I think a little bit of people pleasing is in us all because we're communal beings. We, um, we kind of need each other. The Bible says man should not be alone. Um, but if it's a habit for you in your everyday life, you don't have to be what people think, what you think people want you to be. Um, just be you. And when someone loves you for that, it'll be so much more fulfilling. And that's platonically and romantically. Um, now you may be wondering what the heck does this have to do with sexuality? Well, if you heard the episode about sexual desire and the episode about um, where I spoke about the Christian body, you would remember that our emotions and our bodies are very intertwined. So if you're a careless communicator or uh, were lent a bad pair of communication from your parents, that will affect your romantic relationships and even your sex life. Have you guys ever met that one couple that's like, we never fight or argue or disagree. Like he likes what I like. I like what he likes. When I blink, he blinks. Uh, we finish each other's sentences. Um, now that's fine and dandy in movies. So cute. Love that for them. And I know there are some couples who get along very well, but it's not because they were born for each other. Like they didn't, like the Lord didn't just create them to be completely in sync. Um, it's usually because these people um, are quote unquote masters of healthy communication. At the end of the Lord, at words, at the end of the day, the Lord is bringing together two flawed humans. So of course, some stuff is going to go down when there's a billion dollars in an elevator. Hopefully you caught that reference. Basically what I'm saying is God made us so unique. So to think that two humans can come together and agree on everything is highly unlikely. And usually a result of people not truly sharing their feelings, their needs or their desires. Um, now, I'm actually a certified level two Gottman method words, Gottman method couples therapist. And um, I love the method. Uh, one, because it's research-based, but two, because of how insightful it is for couples, but also because of the discoveries Gottman has made. Now, Gottman got a bunch of different couples together and had them live in apartments for a while. So he would monitor their their interactions. So this was all day, every day. Everything except for going to the bathroom is what he observed. Um, and this allowed him to see the quote-unquote masters of relationships. And in these relationships, there is a five-to-one ratio that helps a relationship stay healthy and stable. So in these relationships, to, um, for, for every one negative interaction, there are five positive interactions. Um, 
Now, what this is not saying is that they have less negative interactions. Maybe the couple had seven disagreements in one day, but their positive interactions outweighed the negative and allowed them to still feel love and seen in their the relationship. Um, these are just people who fight well and they have helpful confrontation. Um, I quickly want to say uh, the word confrontation has gotten a bad rep, like I said earlier. Um, it's so good to have confrontation in a relationship that is healthy. It's basically a way to learn each other and deepen the relationship. So I would encourage you to change your mindset about the word confrontation and what confrontation can offer. So everyone knows the infamous, so where do you want to eat? And you may be cringing just thinking of the words, but that's just another opportunity to get to know someone's communication style and also to learn what they like and what they don't like. Um, on a deeper level, level, when someone has hurt you, it's important for you to address it in a way that helps you, but also helps the relationship. So you want to avoid saying you when addressing a situation. Um, for example, if someone never closes the kitchen cabinets, you walk out every morning and it looks like all the open doors that the Lord has for you in your life. And your first thought may be this person doesn't care about me and this person only thinks about themselves. So then what do you do? You go to the person and you say to them, you don't care about me and you only think about yourself. And that automatically misses the point. And now y'all are arguing about cabinets when really you could have said it really hurts your feelings. Like it really hurts me when people don't consider things that are important to me. Um, I know closing the cabinet may seem like a small thing, but it means a lot to me. That's a lot easier to swallow and allows them to learn you. The other way um, just kind of allows them to learn your assumptions about them. So avoiding you is really important. And I know there may be some eye rolls, but communicating how you feel is very vulnerable. Um, I work with some people to just be able to say the words, you hurt me, you hurt my feelings. Um, for weeks upon weeks, just that simple phrase. And you may think it's easy, but your communication skills when you're hurt may beg to differ. Um, and I completely understand to this day, even last week, I had a hard time communicating how I felt to a friend. But the reason I love confrontation is because when it's done right, it allows for more depth of understanding and allows you to be more secure in your relationships. And either you truly find out what like the person doesn't care about you and you don't have to rely on the what ifs or um, uh, your assumptions. Or you find out that you've found yourself in a relationship with someone who wants to do better. And uh, even better than that, someone who holds themselves to a higher standing, being that they want to honor God in their relationships and exhibit his character. So I'm about to give you guys a brief summary of some things um, people pay a lot of money for in couples counseling. And if you need more in-depth counseling, you can get in contact with me. Or you can find a Gottman couples counselor in your area. Um, now, these are four horsemen that Gottman highlights in unhealthy communication that literally kill relationships. They've been proven to end relationships. So the first one is be, is uh, criticism. Um, so criticism is basically verbally attacking the person's personality or character, like the example I shared earlier. And to avoid this is to use a soft startup. So using I statements instead of you, like I said earlier, and expressing positive need. So like I said, um, when you leave the cabinet, when people leave the cabinet open, it hurts me. So you're showing them that this is a need you have. Um, you have to remember you are on the same team, okay? 
like you're on the same team so for you to hurt your own teammate it just wouldn't make sense and you guys are in this relationship together so for you to um use criticism that's not usually the best way to do things so focusing on communicating your needs using i statements is going to be the thing that helps you against criticism um the second is contempt and contempt is actually seen to be the worst thing for a relationship usually when contempt is heavily present in a relationship it's a uh it's kind of indicative of the fact that the relationship may end so worst thing to have in a relationship and we know that the bible talks about how contempt ends up rotting your own soul and affects your relationships there are multiple verses like the verse that talks about not going to sleep on your anger and yesterday i actually posted um the new morning mercies devotional on um, the parallel pod on Instagram and it talks about Ephesians four, two through three. And it kind of did a great overview of the different things that you want to make sure are present in a relationship. So I'd encourage you guys to look at that as well. Um, so contempt basically is when you are purposefully hurting someone and purposefully, uh, inflicting abuse. So if you just like hear that, it's probably not the best thing to do in your relationships. So the best way to avoid contempt is to create a uh, culture of appreciating your partners um, and or people in your life, anyone, um, appreciating their good qualities. So you want to remember uh, what I talked about earlier, the five to one ratio. If you can just kind of keep that in mind in all your relationships um, for every one negative experience or communication or behavior there should be five more. Um, so just thinking more positively about your partner and giving space for the things that they are doing right and not just thinking about all the negatives. That's something that's going to be helpful as well to avoid contempt. Um, and the third is defensiveness. So this is when you avoid taking responsibility. Um, you may take the victim stance. You may reverse blame. And the most um, helpful way to avoid defensiveness is to simply take responsibility and as someone who used to hate apologizing I completely understand it's a hard one but you have to ask yourself is my pride more important than this relationship and whatever answer you come to um, will affect the quality of relationship and the final and fourth horseman is stonewalling so this is when you withdraw to avoid conflict and you are distant. Um, now, a lot of men are known for this, but women do like to throw in a little cold shoulder every now and then. Um, but really what's happening is a uh, phrase called flooding. So when a person gets so overwhelmed um, that they seem to shut down, it's more like a, a phys physiological response to being overwhelmed. So like I told you guys, your emotions and your bodies are intertwined. Um, so it may seem like this person doesn't care, but it's important to confront these things after the dust settles. Um, let the person that may be stonewalling you know, like when you sit there and, and don't respond, it really hurts me. It makes me feel this and it reminds me of this. Or if you are the person who stonewalls, you can kind of say what happens when you're stonewalling and, and what you need from your partner or your friend. Um, you can even tell them what you were thinking and like when it was happening. And that just allows you guys to enter into future conversations with more information. So potentially that person could say, like, I need you to give me um, just time. 
And so it'll be like a timed moment of separation. So you don't want it to just be just I'll talk about it later because then that creates anxiety in the other person. They don't know when it's going to happen. And that kind of leaves them on edge for like the rest of the day or for whatever time period time period. So I would encourage you to make it more of a time thing. Like maybe in 15 minutes we can talk at 345 we can talk. Um, so that person isn't just left in kind of limbo waiting for you. Um, but it all comes back to healthy communication. And Gottman actually has a card deck that you can download. Um, it's an app called Gottman Card Decks. Um, it says improve your relationship. There's like two hearts on the little logo. And if you're in a relationship, you can use those to help uh, deepen your relationship as well. So hopefully you guys enjoy those. Let me know if you do. Um, so I hope this helped you guys in seeing the importance of healthy confrontation and now you have some tools to have better confrontation as well. So as you know, you can uh, follow the parallel on Instagram at the parallel pod, and I will speak to you guys next week. Bye.